Purpose peeps, welcome back to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, where we feature phenomenal women of faith in business. I am your host, Brianna Lightfoot-Smith, founder and chief connector at Black Girls of Purpose. And if you're listening to this, you're catching one of our episodes in Rewind. That is an episode that we had from a previous season that we have replayed. Um, So I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that it's encouraging to you and that you'll share it with a friend. So without further ado, let's get into it. You're listening to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, where we talk about faith, friendships, and feature boss women from the Black Girls of Purpose community. I'm your host, Brianna Lightfoot-Smith, founder and CEO of Black Girls of Purpose. Yo, Purpose peeps, I am super excited to be talking to you this week. I am always excited to be talking to you, but I'm extra, extra excited today because we are kicking off our faith series. So if you are new to the Black Girls with Purpose community, hello, my name is Bree. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you don't know anything about me or Black Girls with Purpose, which I often will refer to as BGWP, uh, Black Girls with Purpose is a movement dedicated to illuminating truth, inspiring change, and impacting the next generation by affirming women in their God-given identities. Started the organization back in 2016 after writing my first book, The Black Girl's Guide to Living on Purpose. And ultimately, the reason why I felt like it was necessary to write that book is because I struggle with my identity as a teen. I dealt with thoughts of suicide regularly. And I, instead of looking to God to tell me who I was, I looked to people around me. And that was not fulfilling. And it didn't give me the direction that I would eventually need. So I wrote the book and then shortly after God was like, um, you know, maybe let's have more ways for people to connect with what it is that you're teaching instead of just saying, hey, you need help with your purposeful life. Okay, here, take this book. He opened up the opportunity or he opened up the doors for me to do workshops with women and to have a curriculum and a lot of different things. So I'm extremely grateful that he saw something that I didn't see because I did not anticipate having an organization and I didn't know it would one day turn into a podcast and ultimately it's all about ministry. So that's just a little bit of background into BGWP. I always tell people um, at the beginning of the episodes, I always invite you to to join our Black Girls of Purpose community by being a part of our email list. I, I send out emails every week and those are just encouraging messages or alerts about the podcast or sometimes we'll do different freebies and so if you're interested in getting something that i call our purpose pathway guide it's just a really quick ebook that helps you figure out what on earth you're here for then you can go to blackgirlsofpurpose.org join and enter your email address and you will get that super quickly like within an hour you'll get that sent to your email as well as some other goodies. So if that's something you're interested in, then please go to blackgirlswithpurpose.org slash join. Now, for those who are faithful followers of Jesus first, but uh, also uh, listen faithfully on our podcast, then you know last month we talked about being salt and light in our society. God really had placed it on my heart that we need to be more intentional with 
how we are operating in ministry that we are supposed to be salt which means that we bring flavor everywhere we go we are supposed to be light which means that we don't operate in darkness that we are able to minister to other people in need and i hope that you got something out of that series one of the big takeaways was that we have to be more intentional with sharing our testimony because our testimony has the power to impact more people than we think. And it's uh, this shining light that we're given from God that we can say, hey, this is what he did for me. I'm really excited about this faith series because we're going to be looking at different people of faith. We're going to be looking at Abraham. We're going to be looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to be looking at David and just seeing the different things that they taught us about faith, how our faith should be committed and captivating, and that it can't be based off of what we see. And so my hope is that by the end of this series, you will be encouraged, as I always say, but just feel like you're equipped to do bold and scary things. I think that we look at our own abilities a lot of times, or we look at what we see and we learn from the hope series at the beginning of the year that we can't ever base our promises or our confidence in God on what we can see. And that's actually what we're going to focus on today. So with all of that intro out of the way, let's turn to our passage of scripture for this week. You'll be trying to knock me off my core stone. Voices in my head screaming YOLO. Yeah, but you only down once too soon. Before we dive into today's lesson, I wanted to invite everyone listening to subscribe to our email list so you can stay up to date on all Black Girls of Purpose happenings. This includes events, promotions, and personal notes from me. You can do that by visiting blackgirlsofpurpose.org slash join and entering your email address into the form on the screen. Also, follow us on Instagram if you're not already, at Black Girls of Purpose. We share encouraging posts throughout the week, and occasionally we will run social media contests for Black Girls of Purpose goodies. Now that we've got all our housekeeping items out of the way, let's turn to the episode for this week. So for today's study, we're going to be talking about Abraham and the passage of scripture we're coming out of is Hebrews 11, 8, and it reads, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So a little bit of background on the story of Abraham. He first receives his calling or his promise from God in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. And the first part of verse four says, so Abram went. This is before he was Abraham. This is when he was Abram. So it says, so Abram went. And I just love Abram, Abraham's obedience in this. It shows us that obedience is key when it comes to having a heart that's committed to faithfulness. I think that a lot of times with us, we want to obey, but we're like, we want to still have our hands on it. And I think that's why Abraham is credited with being the father of faith because he said okay lord at your word i'll obey 
And when I was preparing for this study, God was, he reminded me of the scripture that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of, of God. And that means you have to be intentional in your study because if you're not spending time with God, then you can't know what he's going to say and you can't have faith. Or even if he is giving you a promise, if you're not continuing to go back to him with that and praying over it and writing it down and making it plain, then it's easy for you to not believe. It's easier for you to be distracted based off of what you see. And it kind of ties in with the story of Peter when he was called to walk on water. Like when he was focused on Jesus, he was walking. But when he focused on his surroundings, then he started to sink. And we have to remember who we have in the boat with us. We have to remember who it is that called us out on the water in the first place. And in Abraham's example, we have to remember who is calling us into this new place that we've never seen. We also learn in the life of Abraham that he wasn't just someone who was committed to obey, he was committed to believe. Scripture says in uh, Genesis 15, 6, Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. And if you don't know what righteousness means, righteousness means right standing. And I think that whenever we take God's promise and we believe him as at his word, like it puts us into this new category where he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think and and, and it reminds me of I talked about this last or was it last month whenever we talked about the hope series that we discussed the life of Lazarus and how he died and and Mary came to Jesus and was like oh Lord if you had been here he wouldn't have died and Jesus said did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of the Lord and I think that he brings us to, to that same place where he says okay are you still going to believe? And I know for us personally, the journey with the finances and um, uh, I'm going to go even further back into my testimony and specifically talk about uh, my pregnancy. I'll be talking about that over the next few weeks on this series. But there have been so many situations where I want to, I wanted to have all of the answers first and then take a leap. And God's like, nope, I need you to believe first and then you will see. And so Abram, who will later be called, be called Abraham, chose to believe. What I think is interesting, however, is that even in spite of Abraham believing the promise, he allowed himself to get distracted by other things. Um, it says in Genesis 16 that his wife Sarai basically got impatient with God and was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to just help you along with this because you told us years ago that we were going to have a baby. You told us when Abram was 75, he's 90 now. And so let me help you along. I'm going to have him sleep with my handmaid and, you know, she'll get pregnant and that'll be his legacy. And Abram's like, okay, cool. Like, I mean, that's not really what, that's not necessarily what he told me, but he didn't tell me. He didn't tell me that wouldn't be the way that it happened. So who am I not to believe? And it just caused so much drama in their family. And we do that same thing when we choose not to believe God or when we try to get in the driver's seat. And I'm going to share more about that illustration in a little bit. We end up hurting ourselves way more than we think. And in some instances, we delay the process. If you think about the Israelites and how they died in the wilderness, it was because they chose not to believe. Like 
God gave them a promise. He sent out spies to, uh, he had them send out spies to look at the land of Canaan and say, okay, yes, you can come back and, and claim it. Or there, But there were 10 who said, no, we can't really do it. I know that God has promises to us, but it's not happening. And because they chose to believe the word of 10 over the two, Caleb and Joshua, who said, no, really, we can take this thing. And they ended up in, dying in the wilderness. And that really, really hurts me. But it is a fight to believe. I want to let you know, it is a fight to believe. You will have days where you're like, okay, Lord, I know what you've said. All your promises are yes and amen. And then you'll have other days where you're like, you know what? Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe this is just me. But that's when you find the importance of the last piece. So if we are going to have faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, we have to obey we have to believe, but then we have to surrender control to the one who is in the driver's seat. And Genesis 12, one says that God was going to show him, God was going to show Abraham where he was sending him. He doesn't say, Hey, go out to Canaan. He says, go out to a land where I will show you. And I don't know about y'all, but modern day, I'm like, what does that mean? Go out to a land where you will show me am I going east, west, what? But because he didn't get caught up in the details, because he was more committed to obedience, then he was just like, all right, Lord, I'm just going to leave you. I'm not sure what happens when I get out on, if going back to Peter, I don't know what happens when I get out on the water, going back to the Israelites. Like, I don't know what happens once we leave Egypt, but if this is what you're saying to me, then I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow your lead. And what I also find is that usually God doesn't take us the path that we think makes sense. Um, we may be like, okay, this is point A to point B. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to take you indirectly. I ha- I was sharing with my sister earlier in one week and I was telling her, you know, I would never have predicted that I would go get married, have a child, get pregnant with another baby and then go move in with my family. Like, I know the statistics about the boomerang generation, but I'm thinking, okay, Lord, if you're going to have me go move in with my parents, you're going to have me do that when I'm just single and it's just me. No, he, he waited till we have a whole family. And it was humbling because I'm like, dang, God, we were out on our own. And then you take us back and we're, and we're starting from scratch in a lot of ways. That doesn't make sense to me, but... I know his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. And that, as we talked about in the Hope series, I have to trust the process. I can't see what he can see. And that's the perfect transition to something that God revealed to me uh, through an experience I had the other week. There was a day a few weeks ago, because this podcast will be published in March. um, There was a day a few weeks ago when I was supposed to go to my prayer shift. I told y'all I go, I have a prayer room that I go to every week and I was going to go to my prayer shift and I got dressed and was like okay cool I'm ready to go and then I couldn't find my glasses now I'm one of those people that if I do not have my glasses I cannot see like I'm nearsighted I can read books and stuff I can be on my computer without my glasses but there is no driving so I knew immediately that if I did not have my glasses I would not be going to my prayer shift it did not matter what I was trying to do it just wasn't happening 
So as soon as I realized I wasn't going to be able to find my glasses, I knew I wasn't going to be able to serve on that particular morning. But I was like, God, I feel like there's something relevant to this. Like there's, there's a message behind this whole not being able to see thing. And as soon as I sat down to write it down, he showed me that there were three main things, really four. The first was kind of an introductory piece. So first things first, because I couldn't see, then I had to have someone with vision with me. Like if I was going to get where I was going and I myself could not see, then I was going to have to have someone with vision with me, someone who would be able to see what I can't see. And that's God in our situations. We may think, okay, God, like, I don't know where I'm going. And we see from Abraham's example, it's, it literally says he went out not knowing where he was going, but he had faith and he was able to believe because he wasn't looking to his own strength. He was looking to God to get him where he needed to go. And I don't know about y'all, but that takes pressure off of me. The fact that I can just say, okay, I'm getting in the, on the passenger seat. You drive, you let me know when we get where we're going is just extremely encouraging. So that was the first thing that he showed me when it comes to not being able to see that we have to have someone with vision with us in order for us to get where we're going. But the next thing that he showed me is that if I'm going to get where I'm going, I have to rely on someone outside of me and that I'm usually subject to their availability. So with the example about going to the prayer room, I was going to see if my husband would take me. I was like, okay, you know maybe Jordan will take me. Um, and I, I went into the room and I woke him up and I was like, babe, babe, you know, can you, can you take me to my prayer shift? Mind y'all, it's like 4.45 in the morning. He was like, nah. <laughs> he, I mean, he said so lovingly, but, and he literally said, I love you, but no, he's like, I don't think I should drive because he had been driving for his job the previous night and he got in late so he was just like I love you babe but no and it just showed me when you yourself can't see then you are subject to other people's availability you have to submit to their timing and it's the same thing with us and God if we think that we're going to get where we're going in our own strength or on our own watch then we are poorly deceived because God is not in a rush just because we're rushing. Like I was up and I was awake and I was ready to go and Bay was asleep. So he was just like, well, shorty, guess what? I, I guess you're not going this morning. The next thing God showed me when it comes to not being able to see is that if you're going to get where you're going and you yourself cannot see, it requires trust that the person guiding you is actually going to get you where you need to be. Now, if you have been where you're going before, for example, let's say I'm going to a store that I go to regularly, I might be able to get myself there pretty safely just because I'm like, oh yeah, I know I have to take this turn. I have to you know, stop at this stop sign. I know there's going to be a school zone in this area, that type of thing. But going back to Abraham, he didn't know where he was going, so he couldn't rely on himself. He had to trust God to get him to the destination he would ultimately seek. And if you bring it to our our modern day times, it's like, okay, if I even if I have a GPS and I type in the address and it says, okay, you know, make a left on 
Cherry Street, if I can't even see that a sign says Cherry Street, then I'm not going to reach my destination safely. That's why we have to trust God, not our own capabilities. And then one of the last pieces that's necessary when you can't see is you have to be hopeful that you'll reach your destination. You can't get in the car with someone who's driving you grumbling and complaining about every pothole you think you might see. And you're believing the worst because of the conditions around you. It's like if, if I if I do that, then I'm trusting the conditions of the road more than the person who is driving. And for anyone who has driven with anyone else, that's insulting. If you're always like, oh, watch out for that sign. Watch out for that tree. Watch out for that pothole. They're like, yes, I can see. And why are you giving me advice when you can't see? So I think... It's the same with God when we get in the car with him. If we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you to start this ministry, then we can't be side street driver, I mean, side passenger seat drivers saying, oh, well, wait, watch out. Wait, no, hold on. No, are you sure this is the turn? Because I really feel like we were supposed to turn back there. And what I have learned and, 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 what God has shown me personally is that if I try to drive, he's just going to let me. He's like, okay, well, we're both not going to have our hands on the wheel. So I'll give you the keys and you let me know when you get to where you're supposed to be. And what usually happens is I may have the keys for a little while, but then I end up driving in circles and I'm like, okay, Lord. Um, so yeah, could you, uh, could you put that address in the GPS again? God's like, no, nah, shorty, you, you said you had it. You felt like you knew the better way and you didn't trust in me. You didn't rely on me and you didn't have hope that I was going to get you where you needed to be. And this goes hand in hand with just surrendering. Uh, I think that is the biggest hindrance when it comes to living faithfully is that we'll say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you but tell me what the outcome is going to be. Okay, God, I'll quit this job, but how else are you going to provide money? Like, show me how you're going to provide this money, and then I'll quit. Or, okay, God, I'm going to have this baby, but I need you to provide, you know, $10,000 for us to have in savings before I get pregnant. And what I have learned, God is not concerned with your plans. And even if you feel like you are prepared for whatever faith leap he has you take, he will wipe it out just when you thought you were getting set. I think about this with our son, Jaden. Like we, my husband and I both had jobs before he was born. We both had, well, we still have jobs technically, but we had jobs outside of the house before he was born. And then right before he was born in April, I actually had two jobs, um, I passed out in my car and God was trying to get my attention. He was like, you are doing too much and you need to sit down, sis. And I did not expect to be bringing in a baby and quitting my job like three months ahead of time. That wasn't in the plan, but that's why it's important for you to know that scripture says a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps because we were sold out to God. I was like, okay, it wasn't expected, but he's going to provide what we need. And I don't know what he's really doing right now, but 
this is his baby ultimately. And that is a great transition into my, one of my biggest faith leaps is actually my entire pregnancy. My husband and I got married back in 2016, and I remember when we got married, I was set on having three years to just be booed up, you know, be that cute Instagram couple that you see, just be out here like, oh yes, you know, yes, hubby, just me and hubby. And then six months into our marriage, or even earlier than that, I was on birth control just because I had been on birth control anyway. Um because of skin issues that I had in New Orleans because it was of the humidity. And so I was on birth control anyway. And one day we were at a youth rally that our church was hosting and we were helping with because we worked in teen ministry. And they were talking about obedience and uh, they were actually talking about Joshua, which is I really feel like when Joshua's story became one of my favorites. And he was just saying, um, he read out of Joshua 1, and it says, Above all, this is Joshua 1, 7. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction. Jump down, it says, Do not turn from it to the right or left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Verse 9, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I was like, okay, cool, yeah. You know, it's, it's important to be obedient. Um, it's important to follow God's instruction. I'm like, that's a great message for children, right? That's what I'm thinking. And so he starts praying at the end. He's like, okay, Lord, you know, there's someone in here who needs to be obedient. And I can't lie, y'all. I am uh, that girl or I was that girl previously that was like here he go about to prophesy but it may not even be the Holy Spirit that's talking and he was just like Lord there's someone in here who needs to be obedient you know you're calling them to do something different and and their obedience their level of obedience is going to determine their level of success and as soon as he said that God told me get off birth control and I was like what does that have to do with the children, Lord? Like, we're here for them, you know, and 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 I'm on birth control just because I've always been on birth control. As I, I mean, it's literally since I was a teen, I didn't have sex until I got married, but literally since I was a teen, I was often on birth control either because of the regularity of my period or because, as I said, when I moved to New Orleans, New Orleans, I um, had skin problems and that was what my dermatologist suggested because it was going to help with my hormones. And so I was like, God, what? Like, why? I don't want to do that. (laughs) And I remember just not being able to shake it. I was like, oh, at first I said, oh, God, well, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just thinking about that. Maybe I don't want to be on birth control anymore. I don't know. And then I just got red hot and God was like, you know my voice when I speak. And I was like, but Lord, what? I'm not ready. So I went home that night and I talked to my husband and I was like, babe, yeah, um, I think God's telling me to get off birth control. And he was like, oh, okay. 
this isn't a conversation I thought we'd be having. And mind you, my husband would have been fine with us having a baby straight out of being like, if we got pregnant on our honeymoon, he would have been fine. Cause he was always like, oh yeah, all the children in my, in my family, they weren't planned. And so he wasn't really tripping about it, but I was like, nah, bro, like we're not supposed to have our first baby till 2019. Like we're supposed to be out here cute and even working in ministry, but just be that cute couple that works in ministry together without any children, just free to serve the Lord, really free to be self-seeking. But that night I, I was like, okay, God, I'm, we're, I'm open to where you lead. And so that was 2016. I haven't been on birth control since 2016. And I remember that first month I was ovulating and I was like, okay, well, Lord, here we go. Like, you know what, this, this is what happens if you're ovulating and you have sex, you're going to have a baby. And I didn't get pregnant. And I was like, okay, God, like maybe this was an Abraham or Isaac situation where you just wanted to see if I was willing to sacrifice my plans. And we could just have other birth control methods. Like we don't have to take the pill. We can do other things. And I remember calling my pastor at the time. And I said, hey, does God tell us when to have children? This is me trying to justify my actions about getting back on birth control, even though I know what God had said. And he said, well, no. God doesn't tell us when to have children, but he, he said he doesn't tell us when to have children. He said, but he does instruct us on how to raise them. And I was like, okay, cool. That's, I can do that. And I was like, yes. So that means we don't have to have children right now. And then before he got off the phone, he was like, but God is still the giver of life. And y'all, I'm so glad he said that. Even though I was like, oh, wait, no, that's a contingency plan. I'm so glad he said it because I kid you not, that night, my husband and I conceived our first child, Jaden. And a few weeks later, took my pregnancy test. You know, I knew I had missed my period. I, I, I'm, I was almost, re- I was very regular since I was on the pill. So I knew when it came, I was like, okay, it, I missed it. And I remember telling Jordan, no, babe, I missed my period. I feel like I should take a pregnancy test. And he was like, how long is the longest that it's gone and I told him 28 days he was like okay we'll just wait till then so I took it and it came back positive and I I remember walking through the kitchen and giving it to Jordan and he just said okay and then he was like do you need to sit down and I said yes and I laid on the bed and I started crying because I'm just like, Lord, you know what my heart's desire is. You know I want to wait to have kids. I can't see how you are a part of this. But as something Cornelius Lindsay said, if you can see it, faith is not needed. If I can plan out my life and just check things off as I go along, then what do I need God for? Am I really trusting him? But this was going to be an opportunity for me to experience and develop the kind of faith that can move mountains.
So I will be continuing to share my faith journey as it relates to my pregnancy and continuing to share um, pieces of my husband and my financial journey over the next several weeks. But I just wanted to give you a sneak peek into just how my life has been as it regard in regards to faith over the past few years, starting in 2016. It's been this really huge journey of things that I cannot see, but in following God, I have experienced the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding. So I'm excited to continue to share that journey with you over the next few weeks. As we prepare to close for the week, I want to share our verse of the week and our song for the week. So our verse of the week is Romans 4, 20 through 21. And it says, he, referring to Abraham, did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And the song for the week is While I'm Waiting by Travis Green. I love this song so much because waiting is such a key piece of receiving God's promises. There are going to be times when it seems like nothing is happening, but I love uh, one of the lyrics in the song. It says, while I'm waiting, I'm getting stronger. And so if you believe that you're getting stronger as you continue in your faith journey, uh, it becomes more exciting. Like I'm actually in a place now where I'm like, okay, Lord, like I'm excited to wait because I know if you are taking this long to bring this promise to pass for me, then this is going to be a really, really great story. Uh, I also want to pray for everyone who is listening, uh, specifically just about having faith for this week, whatever it is that you're believing God to do, whether it be a financial breakthrough, whether it be uh, healing from disease, whether it be getting into a school that you applied to, whether it's medical school or undergrad or Whatever the case may be, I just am praying this prayer over you so you feel free to join me. And the prayer is actually inspired by Psalm 91. Uh, It says, Dear Lord God, you are my shepherd. You watch over me. You tend to the needs of my heart and my life. Help me to trust your guidance in this time of uncertainty. It is so hard to look ahead and not see a clear vision for my future. But please help me to trust in your timing. Let me always seek your will. Please fill me with your peace, knowing that you are the one true God and you love me. You are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Purpose Peeps. Thank you so much for listening to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast for this week. I ask that if you enjoyed today's episode, you would leave us a five-star review with a few comments on how this podcast is helping you. Also, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast if you have not already. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, just to name a few. So whether you're team iPhone or team Android, we've got something for you. That's all for this week. Here's to more purposeful and faith-filled living. It's never that easy to choose purpose, but I would die to my flesh, live a life of worship. I'm really, really, really trying to make it into heaven.